Good to see all of you this evening. Appreciate you being here. We've got some that are visiting from other places. We're glad that you chose to be a part of the meeting with us this evening as well. If you're from neighboring congregations, we appreciate your love for the Lord and love for His church and wherever the kingdom is, you're there and supportive. We certainly appreciate that. If you're here visiting with us from the community here, we especially welcome you. We want you to feel at home and certainly welcome any time the church meets here at this place. I know the elders with open arms would love to have you come be a part of the work that they're doing and trying to change lives in this community for the cause of Christ. One of We've been looking at all week long some stories out of the Old Testament. Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. And we're looking at some of those things that were written in the Old Testament, some of the stories out of the Old Testament. And I want to say that uh, it's kind of difficult when you start talking about stories out of the Old Testament. That's kind of like sitting in an English class and they, you know, talk about about Beowulf or something like that as though, you know, there's a protagonist and an antagonist and there's a you know, all the different characters as though they're not real people, as though we're reading fiction. I want to tell you the things we've been talking about are real people that lived in real times. And in fact, tonight I want to look at the story of Jonah. If you'd like to turn there, we're going to actually read the book of Jonah tonight. Jonah is four chapters. And I want to take all four of those chapters. I think there's some things that we can learn in our Christian walk today as well. Is uh, obviously I want you to know the story of Jonah. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, if you are familiar with it, you get an opportunity to kind of uh, get rehearsed on it a little bit tonight or refreshed on it tonight. But I want to look at the story of Jonah. Uh, Jonah actually was a real individual. Now, a lot of skeptics of Scripture... Uh, place a lot of skepticism on Scripture based on the story of Jonah. They, you know, well, it's impossible that a man would, you know, follow fall into the water and be swallowed by a fish, etc., etc. And so there's a lot of skepticism there. But I want to tell you, for Bible-believing people, it's not difficult for us to believe the story of Jonah for a couple of reasons. One is it said God prepared a fish. And if you believe in God, God has the ability to prepare a fish to swallow up Jonah and to accomplish those ends. Obviously, there was some miraculous involved. Secondarily, to that, Jesus himself, a real individual that really lived at a real time, quoted and said, just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, so I'm going to be uh, in the earth as well and going to ultimately rise again, was talking about his resurrection from the grave after he would spend three days in the grave. So even Jesus himself recognized the authenticity of the story. And he lived years later after the story. He was familiar with the story, familiar with the writings of the story, and also gave credibility to the story as well. But I think there's some other things that we can learn from the story as well. I want to begin by reading Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. Beginning of verse number 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai saying Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down to it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now I want you to just stop right there and I want you to look at a map if you don't mind. Get a little bit of an idea of where we're talking about. Uh, Jonah at this point in time is over here. He's up against the eastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And he's given a call of God. God wants you to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was east. Nineveh's over here. It's going to take him a while heading east to get over to Nineveh. 
But instead he heads to Tarshish, is what the King James renders that far. Most scholars would render that that is Tardises of Spain, which is over this direction. So here's Jonah, he's told to go east, but instead he goes some 2,500 miles is where he's headed. 2,500 miles to the opposite direction from the way God told him to go. God said go to Nineveh and preach a message of repentance, and he goes 2,500 miles the opposite direction. Keep reading if you would, verse number 4. The Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man into his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto them, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it has pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now I want you to notice we're going to look at four chapters tonight of the book of Jonah. Chapter 1, I just want you to notice, first of all, he was running away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah was asked to go do something. He was asked to go preach a message of repentance to the city of Nineveh, but he's headed 2,500 miles the opposite direction. He's not walking and, and obeying God or being obedient to God. There's a lot of things out of the Old Testament we learn, a lot about God's character, a lot about God's nature, but you know when God, or a prophet of God in this case, is told to go do something, he expects him to go do it. But he was running the opposite direction. You know sometimes people in their lives find themselves doing the exact same thing. You ever ran away from the presence of God? God has given you instruction, whatever that instruction was. Maybe he instructed you to be baptized into Christ. And you run the opposite direction away from the instruction that God's given you. Maybe the instructions to honor your parents and you run the opposite direction from the way that God's told you to go. Maybe the instruction is to be the kind of husband you need to be and you run the opposite direction from the instruction of God. Or the kind of wife that you need to be and you run the opposite direction from the way that God is instructed for you to be. Or the kind of child, kind of student, kind of whatever. You ever found yourself running away from the presence of God doing the exact opposite of what God asked you to do? I will tell you the end result of that is the same for Jonah as it was for Jonah. And that is, that's destruction. It's destruction. It doesn't take you very long to step back and look that people are making decisions that have totally led them away from God. 
and their lives are destroyed around them. You know, it's kind of interesting. Even the people on the ship said, something bad's got to be going on. They were sharp enough to figure out somebody's doing something against God because all these bad things are happening to us. Now, I will tell you, not all the time when bad stuff happens, we're going to talk about a little bit of that this week, not all the time when bad stuff happens is it because you're doing wrong. Sometimes bad stuff happens because other people are doing wrong. Those other people on this ship found that out. There was somebody else running for the presence of God and they're headed the op- and, and they're the ones that's finding trouble. The seas tempestuous, they're in trouble. The ship's fixing to sink. Jonah, stop! Whatever it is you're doing because you're killing the rest of us. Have you ever been in that situation where you saw somebody else making bad decisions? Somebody else was running away from the presence of God, but it was creating a lot of misery in your life? You know, not only when we make decisions does it create havoc or it creates destruction in our lives, which was the case of Jonah, sometimes it's a decision that creates havoc in our life. And we see that in the story of Jonah in Jonah chapter 1. And they ultimately throw him overboard. He's swallowed by a great ship or by a great fish, by a great ship, by a great fish. And he's swallowed up and that's the end of chapter 1. Destruction essentially was happening to him because he was refusing to obey God. He was going the opposite direction from God. He's running away from God. Now go to chapter 2. Chapter 2 we find Jonah wakes up. Jonah chapter 2, verse number 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas and the floods compassed me about all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. And then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again to thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed round about. The, the weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that which I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake into the fish and it vomited out out Jonah upon the dry ground. And here we find at the end of chapter 2 I think an overriding message that, that instead of Jonah running away from God, now Jonah's reached a point where he's running to God. And if ever there's a message of repentance, it's in chapter 2 of the book of Jonah. He's down there in the belly of the fish. There's seaweed swimming around his head. He's in the bottom, the depths of the earth, the depths of the sea. And there's something he remembers. I turn to the Lord. And there was a phrase in there that I think is a pinnacle moment of repentance. And that's what repentance is. Repentance is a point in time when you're headed a certain direction and you decide, I'm stopping that and I'm turning around and I'm following God. That's a point of repentance. And you ought to be able to look in your life and see a point of repentance if you've repented. There ought to be a moment in time to where I don't go back there anymore. I'm headed the opposite direction. If you've repented, you know that point. You know what I'm talking about. And Jonah had that. Yet yet will I look again to thy holy temple. I prayed unto thee and you heard me. There was seaweed swimming around my head, but I'm, I'm headed to do exactly what you asked me to do. He had a very severe, intense conversion experience in the belly of a whale. And decided, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm serving God. He's running to God. Have you ever been in that situation? 
Do you remember the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15? There's five words and it kind of five or six depending on what you include in it. But there in Luke 15 with the prodigal son and when he came to himself... There's a moment in time he had taken his inheritance. He had gone, wasted his substance on riotous living. He had spent it on wine, women, and song. But there was a point he's down at the bottom. He's scooping whatever out of the hog pen. He's living in the muck. And he wakes up and he says, You know, my father has bread enough and to spare and I'm hungry. And there was a moment that he came to himself. That's that pinnacle moment of repentance. Where I'm not running away from God any longer. I'm running to God. And he turned back around and he arose. He went to his father's house and he said, Father, I'm not worthy to be called thy son. And before he could hardly get the words out of his mouth, his father ordered the fatted calf to be slaughtered and a robe put on him and a ring put on his hand because he's glad to see his son home. Maybe tonight you're tired of running away from God. Maybe tonight you're tired of doing the opposite of what God has said. And you know you're doing the opposite of what God has said. What I want to tell you is, you're headed to destruction without a moment of repentance. And that moment of repentance tonight can be tonight. Tonight can be the moment you look back at and say, I was at a meeting in Denton, Texas. It was July whatever today is. And I was there Tuesday night of that meeting. And my life changed. I'm no longer doing the things I was doing before. I'm not running away from God. I'm running to Him. And there's a turnaround that happens. That's repentance. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. Peter told him on the day of Pentecost to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Luke 13 and verse number 3. Jesus said, I tell you, neighbor, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Acts said the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Repentance is not a new concept in Scripture. Repentance is something that the Lord Himself taught, the first century church taught, the apostles taught, Christ taught it. And it's something you and I need to have in our life if we're running away from God. There needs to be a moment in time when we say, I'm not doing that any longer. I'm headed and I'm following God. From this moment on, I'm not going to be the person that I once was. Yet I will look again to thy holy temple. You know, there are some people in the midst of destruction, though. They've got seaweed swimming around their head. They're, They're surrounded by incredible destruction around them and never see there's a way out. They never see the opportunity that God has given them. And I want to encourage you tonight. Look again to the Holy Temple. Look again and let Him hear your prayer. Let Him guide and direct your steps. Turn to Him. And I promise you tonight, He is there for you. Jonah chapter 3. Now, at the end of chapter 2, he spit up on dry ground. Jonah chapter 3, we begin in verse number 1. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. I want you to stop there for just a moment. We start off chapter 3, and all of a sudden, we've got not only him running to God, he's running with God. He's doing exactly what it is God told him to do. God said, go preach a message of repentance to the city of Nineveh. So that's what he goes to do. He goes to Nineveh. Nineveh is a big city. Probably most of the scholars render that this phrase, it's an exceeding great city of three days journey, means that it'd take you about three days to walk across the city. He gets about a day's worth into the city and he's crying out, yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. 
Scholars would render that in the original language, those were five words in the original tongue. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It's just a simple message. There's nothing fancy about the message. It's five simple words. That's all God wanted him to do. He wanted five simple words taught to this city of Nineveh. You know... We would have a difficult time with that, I think, in our culture today because we would need to do a five-part study and, you know, analyze, you know, two nights a week for a series of months to be able to get somebody, you know, to be able to analyze the situation, do Lord of my life and a few other things. You know what God has told us to do? Go preach the gospel. Go preach the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying the other stuff's not good or important. It's important in five-part studies to study the, the Bible with people. It's important that people understand the Scriptures and understand the commitment they're in. I'm not saying that that's not a good thing. I'm just saying that sometimes we make God a lot more complicated than God is. God said, preach five words to the city of Nineveh, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Five words in the original tongue. And do you know what happened when Jonah went into the city and he preached the five simple words, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown? They repented. Go figure. Guess what? When we do what it is God's asked us to do, it doesn't have to be fancy and it doesn't have to be... Just simply do what it is that He asked us to do. You'd be amazed what would happen. And I want to tell you, your life would change and turn around if you just simply take the things that God's told you. Not try to get too complicated, not try to get too fancy, and just simply be obedient to the Word of the Lord and learn to walk with God. And what God's told you to do, be obedient to Him. You'd be amazed the things that happen in your life. But we've tried to figure Him out. We start to try to analyze. We start trying to figure out how this works and all that sort of stuff. And I want to tell you what we need to do is go sow seed. And let the seed do what the seed does. And what the seed does, God blesses. And God has some work that He does inside that seed. I was uh, over visiting with Craig Roundsville one day and was talking about seed. And he's an ag teacher. And, and I asked him, I said, what, what, he said I, I said, what do you teach your kids? And he said, well, you know, we're teaching them how, what happens in a seed and what happens when the seed germinates, that kind of thing. I said, what does happen when a seed germinates? How does that happen, all that? He said, well, temperature, moisture, you know, those climate, all those sort of things make a difference, you know, that in a seed. And, and then he paused a moment. He thought I was tricking him. And he goes, God, you know, God does in a seed what God does. really wasn't trying to trick him, but you know, really, Brother Craig's right, isn't he? You can water a seed, you can plant a seed in the right way, etc., but it's God that does what God does inside a seed. You and I can't do what happens inside a seed. We can try to create the environment for it. We can try to create the right conditions for it. But it's God that does it in the seed. It's God that knows the difference between turning it into apical meristem and and roots and all that sort of stuff. It's God that knows how to do that. And God does that. But God asks us to do what? Plant and water. That's what he asked us to do. Just simply plant and water. But we start trying to figure out the results. We start trying to worry about results. There was an old preacher one time that was real discouraged because he was out preaching the gospel and just seemed like he had a bad year, didn't do that many baptisms, that kind of stuff. And he said, you know, I may just need to quit and, and go do something different, you know, because I'm just not that successful at what it is I'm doing. And there was another old preacher, most of you guys would know, his name was Coy Potter. And he put his hands around this other younger, older preacher. He's old to me now, but younger preacher to Coy. 
And Coy said, you know, if you'd have had 30 baptisms, would you have patted yourself on the back for them as though you did it? He said, how about you just go sow seed? How about you just go plant and water? How about you just do the simple things God's asked you to do? God blesses, doesn't it? What doesn't He say? I planted Apollos watered. Who gave the increase? God. God gives increase. And you know, we get to thinking a lot of times it's about us. It's about the, the amazing sermon. It's about the amazing song. It's, a, it's about the amazing performance. It's about the amazing work of, of uh, door-to-door work or whatever and technique and all those sort of things. I'm not diminishing the fact that we probably ought to pay attention to some of those things. But the reality is what we need to do is plant water. What we do, need to do is sow seed. And you know, we'd be amazed what would happen if we just simply do what God asked us to do. If we just plant water, if we just sow seed, if we just do what it is God's asked us to do, learn to run with God. And you'd be amazed at the results. And that's what happened in in Jonah chapter 3. I want to keep reading because that's what happened. Jonah goes, he gets a day's worth into the city. He's preaching this message of repentance. Uh, Look at Jonah chapter 3, verse number 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne. He laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and satin ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that's in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. God repented of the evil that he said he would do unto them, and he did it not. Here, Jonah just went and preached five words in the original tongue. Yet forty days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. And here this great city of Nineveh repented. The king proclaimed a fast and and proclaimed that everybody would be in sackcloth and ashes. That they would rend their clothes. I told you we were going to see this a lot in scripture. This moment of repentance. This moment of grief. This city of Nineveh was in grief over their sin. They said maybe God will change his mind. He won't destroy our city. Everybody. Sackcloth and ashes. Everybody's in this method of repentance in the, in the city and that's what they did and, and you know what God did? He changed his mind and turned it back and decided not to destroy them because of the work that was done. Five simple words and amazing results. What a preacher he was. He wanted to do the opposite of what God told him to do. But he changed his mind in the belly of a fish, went and did what God told him to do, and it's amazing the results that happened. Go to chapter 4. Chapter 4 is an interesting story in and of itself because here Nineveh has repented and Jonah's upset. He's running ahead of God. He's now determined that he doesn't like the fact that God saved Nineveh. He said, I knew you would do that. If I went and preached it and they repented and I knew they'd repent and I knew you'd forgive them and I just can't believe you've done that. Look at chapter 4. It displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before into Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life for me, for it's better for me to die than to live. That I find that humorous. 
He's so stuck on himself that he would rather die than to see these people saved. He would rather die than to see these people repent and God forgive them and they, and they be saved, the city be saved. Because I, I knew you were going to save them. Take my life from me. It's not worth living. Now keep reading if you would. We see even more of Jonah's selfishness and Jonah seeing me, me, my, my. He then said, the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and he sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd or an ivy and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Jonah was kind of moody. Y'all pick up on that? He's exceedingly mad because these people are saved. And now he's got an ivy over his head and he's exceedingly happy. He kind of rides the emotional wave up and down. In verse number 7, God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehemity east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die for it's better for me to die than to live. Now he's ready to die again because he doesn't have an ivy shaving, uh, shaving his, shading his head. Looked over there at Alan. Um, and God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand purses, persons that cannot discern between the right hand of the left hand and also much cattle? Now here, Jonah, you're worried about an ivy? You're worried about an ivy? You're worried about having shade over your head? You're worried about Jonah? You're worried about your comfort? You're worried about me, me, my, my, I, I? And I've got six score thousand people over here that's going to die or perish. They don't even know the difference between their right hand and their left hand. They need somebody to teach them a message of repentance. And you're not concerned about them repenting. You're concerned about Jonah not having shade over his head. Great. That's very mature, Jonah. You know, I get to thinking though, we're kind of that way as people. We're talking about trying to preach to the lost. And what we do is we anger each other over a degree on the air conditioning system. Right? Because really, we're kind of that way as people. It's me, me, my, my, I, I. What about me? I need shade. I need air conditioning. I need a comfortable padding. Just try as a church sometimes to make a decision what color the trash can ought to be in the bathroom. And sometimes we lose focus of what it's about. What it's about is saving souls. What it's about is people coming to Christ. What it's about is caring for people and, and that they can ultimately find salvation in Christ Jesus. But oh no, we're just like Jonah. It's a degree off. I don't have a shade. You know, he said you didn't plant the gourd. You didn't water the gourd. It came up overnight. It disappeared. And somehow you're more upset over that than you are six score thousand people. 120,000 people that could have died and you're concerned about Jonah. I want to ask you tonight, who are you concerned about? 
You concerned about the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ that goes out and tries to touch the lives of people? You concerned about people repenting? You concerned about going out and making sure that they don't see damnation and condemnation and burn eternally in hell? Or are you concerned about you? You concerned about your minor comforts? Or sitting in your pew because it's got your name on it? You put a plaque on it. It's important. It wasn't that long ago. I was at a church. I'll not tell you where it was at. Keep the names private. But I sat down about on the third row of the this side, about where Mike McCorkle would be sitting in that area right there. There was 12 people in the service that morning. There was a building that would seat 250 people. The rest of the building was totally empty. This side had absolutely no one on it. I was just trying to join the 12 people, but I was in someone's seat. And I was told so. And I graciously moved. But they forever become a part of my sermons. <laughs> really? you got to be kidding. But that's, where, that's who we are as people, isn't it? Are we trying to save souls? Are we trying to preach the gospel? Are we trying to reach the lost? Are we worried about us? I don't know where you're at tonight, but I can tell you you're probably in one of any one of these chapters... You're either running away from God, God's giving you instruction, God's told you what to do, and you're running away from Him. And you know what the instruction is. And you're doing the things against what God's told you to do. You're doing the exact opposite, in fact, of what God's told you to do. You're running away from God. Or, tonight, you may be at a decision point. You may have seaweed swimming around your head. You may be at a point where you're saying, I'm going to look again to the Holy Temple. I'm going to do things different. I've been running away from God, but I'm going to run to Him. And we're going to sing a song here in a moment, and you've got an opportunity to make that visible to this crowd and to make that confession of faith, to be buried with Him in the water of grave of baptism, to say, I'm running to God. I'm going to make a decision to serve God tonight. And you've got an opportunity to do that. And that moment is a moment, a pivotal moment of change. If you're not ready to make that change, you're not really repentant. You're not really at a spot to where you're ready to serve God. Because we talked about it this week already, but God's asked for all of it. He's asked for you to be all in. Heart, soul, mind, strength, body, etc. All in. And if you're not ready for that moment, that change. See, when you're down in the depths of the sea and seaweed swimming around your head, you got one option. It's called a conversion experience. It changes things. We're not doing the same thing we were doing before. And that's what Jonah said. I'll look again to the Holy Temple. If you want to look to the Holy Temple today, if you want to make a change that says, I have come to myself and things are going to be different in the future than they've been in the past tonight could be that moment that moment in time when I'm not doing the same things I was doing before are you ready for repentance tonight maybe tonight you're trying to walk with God and I pray for you in that decision and I pray for you that you continue to do that and that God would strengthen you in that try not to get too fancy with it Yet 40 days and then if it shall be overthrown. Take the word of God. Take the words of God. And try not to over-psychoanalyze them. And just simply be obedient to what God's told you to do. You've got an opportunity tonight to dedicate yourself to walk with God. That's what, you, that's what I'm de- dedicated to do. That's what I'm going to do. And you can do that tonight. You can walk out of here and the days ahead of you are walking with God. Doing what it is God's asked, to, asked me to do. And I'd encourage you tonight not to be caught up in yourself.
Not to be looking and saying, well, you know, it's all about me. Wasn't the temperature a little warm or a little cold or I was sitting over in the chilly part of the building or whatever. But that the message really ought to be about, are people saved or not? Is there a message of the gospel going out to the world? And are we helping that message? Are we encouraging that message? Are we hindering it and getting in the way because of our selfishness? That's what Jonah was doing in chapter 4. He's more concerned about himself than he was other people. I hope you're not in that condition tonight. I hope your heart cares tonight that the gospel is going out to the world. And I'd encourage you tonight to want to help with that. And if anything the church can do to help you in your spiritual walk, to help you walk with God, that's what we want to do tonight. Jesus, years ago, in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28, said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Come unto me, he said. You willing to come? Take on his yoke. He never said there wouldn't be a yoke, and he never said there wouldn't be a burden, but he said his yoke was easy, and his burden was light. You have an opportunity tonight as we sing this song to make your wishes or your desires known for the congregation. I promise you there are elders tonight with their arms stretched wide open that want to receive you and want to help you grow and help guide you in walking with Christ, walking with God tonight, running with God tonight. Will you do that tonight as we stand and sing the song that's been selected?